My name is Chris Stone, I'm the creator of Blood and Bone China, and you're listening to Genretainment. Hello everyone, you're listening to Genretainment at SciFiPulseRadio.com, and we are your hosts, Marks. And Julie. Today we chat with producer Michael Flores, the creator of the gritty supernatural western series called Western X. Out of Arizona comes this award-winning, genre-bending supernatural western web series packed with a gritty, dark tone that promises to reveal secrets about its mysterious world. Flores tells us about the newest episodes of the series, takes us behind the scenes of its creation, and discusses new cast member Vernon Wells, who many of you may remember from movies like Mad Max 2. Or TV shows like Power Rangers. Now what you just heard at the beginning of the show is a snippet from the theme song for our web series, Reality On Demand, a song composed and performed by our friend T. Sean Hardy. And you can find our web series at realityondemandseries.com. Are you guys ready for the interview? I'm betting you are, so here we go. You're listening to Genre Entertainment, and this is Marks. And Julie. And we have the creator of Western X on the phone with us. Uh, could you please introduce yourself? My name is Michael Flores, and uh, yeah, I'm the creator of Western X. But for those of our listeners who may be unfamiliar with Western X, can you please describe the premise of the series? Yeah, it's, it's a web series uh, about a guy who basically finds himself in the desert with little or no memory of his past. And he finds himself walking the wastelands of a post-apocalyptic Earth, I guess you can call it. Because um, that's part of the mystery of the show is where are we at? And basically the audience uses this character to find out the clues you know the audience is just as clueless as him oh good now i feel better <laughs> <laughs> she's watching she's like where are they at? is this the old west I'm confused. <laughs> i said i don't think i'm smart enough to watch it i don't understand where they are or when if confused that's good you're supposed, <laughs> you're supposed to be confused <laughs> oh thank god it's a mystery that it could be a, that could be a good thing or a bad thing so. <laughs> It depends on what your palate is for, you know, what type of, you know, what type of entertainment. Because this is definitely uh, eerie, spooky, and uh, and uh, and confusing. Because it's a mystery. You should definitely have to pay attention to everything in it. There, there is no throwaway scenes that are there for no reason. Right. Everything laid out there like b- breadcrumbs, uh, leading you the way to solve the problem. So kind of like Lost in a way. Like you didn't know they're on an island, or they did, or they live. Then is this? Yeah. Or Ellen World, I think that was one theory. I think a lot of people still aren't sure even after the show finished. (laughs) (laughs) No spoilers. I just started watching it. I'm on on season three right now. (laughs) Well, good thing that's all I said then. I already know. I already. I, I was. I said this before in one of the radio shows I did. I was. I was so upset because I was watching Arrow and the very first season of the very first episode oh. of Arrow on CW. They tell you what the whole story is in like one sentence, and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> wow. Thank you. <laughs> I know. As soon as you said that, I thought, oh, I know. I know which which line you're talking about. <laughs> I couldn't believe. I couldn't believe it. I just looked at the person I was watching it with. I was like, really? Did they just ruin that for us? Like, yep. You should have seen me avoiding um, hearing about the end of Battlestar Galactica. 
Oh. I mean, there is no. I I managed to stay away from it, but I mean, I was driving down the road to work and listening to NPR, and they're like, and then on Battle Scarlet, I'm la 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 la, and changing the channel. <laughs> That's exactly what I did because I listened to Howard Stern in the morning. He was a big uh, Battlestar Galactica fan. I was two years behind. <laughs> uh, when, and I'll, every time he start talking about it, I just started singing to myself. I turn. I don't know why I didn't turn the volume down, but yeah, I, I did the whole la 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 la. Can't hear, can't hear, can't hear until he was done talking. <laughs> yeah, I was switching around i'm like no bob and tom bob and tom they won't talk about it i hope <laughs> yeah well we want to congratulate you on your international academy of web television nomination for best cinematography yes congratulations thank you i uh i appreciate that it's i was i you know what i i do it i'm i'm a, I'm a part of the group and uh you know a member and i would you know i really honestly i didn't really think i had a chance just because of the fact that for anything just because there's a lot there's a lot of competition it wasn't it's no longer you know the indies anymore there's a lot of big you know big web series shows in there and uh, to be nominated in that group specifically if you look at the people you know that that's nominated with us i mean we're in there with Brian Singer's uh, web show you know his, the one that he produced i mean that that's scary and also cool you know it's it's very cool do you do the cinematography yourself or do you just direct yeah, no i do it i do it myself i uh, see what happened was i um i set the kind of the, the look for the first four episodes and then i got too busy and i brought another guy on who was actually acting as my ac and uh, he's slowly that was the deal that he was working with me for, you know, half the wages he usually works for. He's like, hey, you know, if you let me shoot this, you know, eventually, you know, this is what I'll work for. I'm like, OK, great. And a lot of times we find ourselves pawning the camera back and forth. And if we we argue a lot, because a lot of people say, well, how does there two cinematographers? Do you guys <laughs> I'm like, yes, but it's also my show. So what I say is God. You know, it's like God saying it on set. So I'm like, you know what? I end up winning most of the battles, but I always say it. As long as it's done respectfully, I like to be challenged a lot on set. Because I think when you're on set for 8, 9, 12, 13, 14 hours sometimes, you don't see everything sometimes. Mm -hmm. And to have someone question you a little bit in the right way and say, well, how about this? I'm, I'm always open to that. You know, so I, I think it's I think you're, I think anybody who's not open to suggestions is... Uh, is uh is not smart basically yeah <laughs> yeah you kind of need another pair of eyes but then you're right you also do need a chain of command just so you can get things done <laughs> yeah and you know I mean, and you don't want to you don't want to create an environment where people second guess you either and that's where the thin you know that there's a thin line you have to kind of find and and yeah. me and me and the guy who also shoots this with me have found it we've worked together for about i'd say eight nine years now on different things and and we work really well. He understands my dumb language that no one else understands that called <laughs> English. And he's <laughs> and he uh, and he knows exactly what I'm saying and he gets it done. So we work. We're a good team. Now, I noticed, um, you know, we were watching and your costumes and your sets are really, really fantastic. So how did you manage to get, you know, such elaborate costuming and, and sets or, or were you able to cheat it in any way? How did, how did you manage that? Uh, when it comes to the costumes, uh, originally I knew I was going to have to get creative. And if I, am I, if I'm going to do a Western, you know, a, a Western esque you know, type show, you know, first off, we don't really know if we're true. We already know, we already know you're not really in the real 1800s. I think you get that immediately. I mean, there's the way they dress. It isn't even like, uh, what's it called? A period savvy. There's a lot of things. I mean, some people wear chain mail. If you look at some of the guys are wearing <laughs> their clothes and I think if you look for it you already know so that's not a big spoiler by any means but you know I think that has given us leeway as well number one because if we were going specifically to like 1893 you know there because I had some western guys say well you know there's a guy wearing an undershirt that they didn't have in 1893 and I'm like well 
for me that I'm not in 1893 then. So, so that was one way we were able to cheat things around and, and basically use anything we can get our hands on that was Western-ish. Um, and also, uh, I um, happened to I, – I did creative casting, I call it. I cast – the original cast that started with me were cowboy stuntmen uh, from a local park here in town, uh, the Rawhide. Uh, the Arizona Rough Riders, and they, um, you know, I brought them on, asked if they'd be interested in doing stuff. Like, sure, and and uh, they, because they came with their clothes. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, yeah, you guys come in and just wear what you guys are wearing right now. It'd be great. Like, really? Yeah, it's perfect. You know, and and before we know it, we have, is they have uh, suggestions for me. And like, also, hey, I brought, you know, I have about seven or eight other, you know, dusters. I have about fifteen other pairs of boots. Would you like us to bring them if anybody else needs them? Sure. So before we know it. You know, before we knew it, we had a whole entire, you know, wardrobe uh, basically donated to us. Um, and that was for the lower budget stuff for episodes, let's say, one through three. And then we got our budget, our bigger budget. Uh, I actually went and rented stuff and brought on uh, like um, uh, a guy named David Staley who, who used to run a, a wardrobe service out here in Arizona. And I actually rented uh, stuff that I needed from him but again i made him i also made him you know a producer behind the door producer and i cut his wage in half and he came on the project and helped us out so that's how to do it with the wardrobe you got to get creative as you guys know when your guys are working with a low budget you have to really make some crazy deals and get creative with different things and yeah have wardrobe will travel basically And, and the set pieces, I mean, that was built. I mean, we, well, in order to do what we wanted to do and the amount of time that we had to do it, we would build basically a mini town uh, four feet away from each other. So you would have, I would have a guy build a backdrop uh, who was just a guy here locally. Now he's doing stuff for Oprah after Western X. He's doing stuff for Oprah and Nickelodeon now. Um, it actually got, he actually got the work because of Western X, which makes me happy. Um, so he actually built all these sets for us and b- would build them very low cost. He would go to Home Depot. He would go to garbage sites and build stuff for us. I pay him what he wanted. He would build them. And then about, I'd say, four or five feet away on the opposite side, we have another backdrop built. Um, and we basically transformed a bar. It was a bar into one of our major sets. And we had about four or five different sets within one. Oh, wow. And we- we just spun. We just spun the camera around. <laughs> <laughs> now you you said you're in Arizona. What time of year did you film? Uh, different times of year because uh, it did take us some time uh, to finish it all up. But uh, we did. Uh, I, I don't shoot in the summer. I tried when I did. I figured my, that would be pretty hot. <laughs> for sure, because when I I did my test shooting originally before we did anything in the summer, the dead of heat. And I couldn't even, I was looking through the lens of the camera and the sweat was dropping into the lens. And I'm like, okay, this isn't going to work. Everybody close up. I'm not coming back until December. (laughs) (laughs) And and that's what happened. We ended up shooting everything and I kept everything in the cold. And my cast was like, man, why do you got to, why do you have to do everything at night and (laughs) cold? I'm like, it's better than during the day and and 125 degree weather, which is what it is in the sun on on the ground where we would be shooting. Yeah, I was wondering about that because, you know, we filmed a lot of ours in the summer and I don't let Marks live this down that in the in the van and we did a couple scenes in there. It was 120 degrees oh. and it's it was about 90 something percent humidity. It's like a sauna. People pay for that. <laughs> People stuff. pay big money for a sauna. <laughs> and we had we had a roll of paper towels and every time, you know, we'd cut, we had to dab ourselves just you know, because our, we were just sweating so bad. <laughs> yeah, and would... I thought, man, Arizona's got to be really bad. <laughs> oh, especially with cameras. Certain, the camera we were using had a tendency to overheat anyways in the yeah, sun. Yeah, ours too. 
And also sometimes it gets too cold for it. Fortunately, it didn't get that cold where uh, it had to shut down by any means. But yeah, summertime, our cameras don't work too well. And you have to like start cooling it off with, you know, the camera guys, you know, all the assistants would bring all these cooling supplies. I don't even know what it is. They would drop it all over the camera. I'm like, we need to shut down for a little bit because it does get warm. Even we were, sh- I think the warmest time we ever shot was in April. And it was like in, the, I'd say like upper 90s. So it was miserable, but it was still uncomfortable when you're just standing in the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was probably the only time where we actually shot in the sun because I had no choice. The ghost town that we shot at, which was called Goldfield Ghost Town, only let us shoot on their off season. And it was right when their off season started, right when it started getting warm. So we had to shoot there during a, a specific time. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if, if you use a DSLR, as I know those tend to overheat. And I thought, man, if he's in Arizona, that's going to be a problem. <laughs> yeah, what kind of camera did you use? We used the red camera. Red oh, wow. Eye. Okay. There's a couple scenes I think we did uh, where I didn't want to re-rent the red camera. I, I get a really good deal um, from uh, from a guy that I've worked with for a while here, but but I didn't want to go do pickup shots. I use a DSLR for some some uh, some pickup shots, and you can't even tell the difference really. <laughs> <laughs> no, they can. Nope. They can. Uh... If, you, if you got the right lens and you know how to light, I mean, you can make you know almost anything look good at this point with the with this digital age we're moving into. So, mm-hmm. now it's amazing how much cameras improved in the last. I don't know, five, ten years. Yeah. yeah. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. Before we know it, they'll be like the size of your finger. <laughs> and, and shoot like a 4K resolution. I mean, it, it's just insane. I mean, some of the stuff, I mean, even now, Red has dropped their prices in half pr- pretty much in order to come. Uh, I think you can get a, sh- a working camera now for under 10 grand because they're because they streamlined their 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 production to where they can compete now with some of you know the people that want to shoot with the uh with the still cameras you realize in a few years you're going to have kind of the old timer cinematographers going back in my day i had a big heavy (laughs) camera that would sit on my shoulder you know (laughs) no it's very different it's gonna it's gonna be the the later version of that i used to walk 20 miles to school in the snow uphill both ways you know (laughs) Very true. Yeah, That's I had a little bit of experience shooting like 60 millimeter, you know, film, and then everything went digital real fast. Yeah. <laughs> when I went to school, when I went to school for film, that's what we we learned all on film, and I'm I'm glad because. I see some of the cinematographers today, like when I say young, the young cinematographers, they've never really worked with film. And, and in my opinion, it, I don't, I'm not one of those people who think digital is better or film's better. I think they both serve their purpose. But, um, but I do think that you learn a lot more about the ins and outs, ins and outs of properly exposing, you know, a shot when you know film. Because pretty much with film, if you if you have a good eye you could probably light it without even knowing how to really expose anything. And I think you learn more technical stuff and really know the ins and outs of cameras and lenses and exposure and F-stops if you learned with film. Mm-hmm. Now, where did you go to film school? I, there's a college out here that specializes in film. It's called SEC Film. Uh, film. Oh, geez, it was so long ago, eight years ago. It's one of the uh, – yeah, it's, uh, Scottsdale, it's Scottsdale College for film. Mm-hmm. Oh, Okay. Yeah, you can Google it. I think it's on the top five or top eight sh- schools or something like that. I don't. I'm not one of those guys who ever looked back. <laughs> <laughs> you just took what you learned and kept going. Yeah. Well, I got sucked in because what happened was, you know, I wasn't. I already have a degree, and I went back again, you know, years later to get another one, and uh, and it was a mistake. Or it wasn't a mistake. It was kind of by accident. I stumbled upon it because I actually um, was. I was into. I was always. I've always been a writer. Is what I am, and I. Uh, Started writing a script and and uh, and the guy this guy I knew was like wow this is really good man uh, let me send this to somebody and it's a friend of mine in, in Los Angeles 
And I basically ruined my chances. They wanted to option the, the script, and I didn't know anything about the ins and outs of nothing. And they wanted me to change it, like rewrite it. And I didn't know you're supposed to say yes. And I, <laughs> I said, no. And my friends all, dude, what is wrong with you? I'm like, what do you mean? Like, you always say yes, man. You know how rare this is to get something, first-time writer, to get something optioned? They were interested in optioning, and they just wanted you to rewrite something for them. And I said, oh, I didn't know I was supposed to say no or say yes. And he's like, dude, you need to go back and you need to learn the game. He said, and, you know, your script isn't perfect. So you might want to go back and take some writing classes for screenwriting. I'm like, OK. So that's what I did. I looked up the local colleges here in Arizona and and I got sucked in because I started doing writing classes. And then I saw somebody carrying a huge 35 millimeter camera like past my classroom. I'm like, what the hell's that? <laughs> I'm like, that's awesome. Like, and then the guy says, oh, I'm doing a film class. I'm shooting a film right now. I'm like, okay, all right, I got to do all this. And I got sucked into learning everything. And, and I don't regret it because it actually been, has been really enjoying. And, you know, I guess, I, what's the word? I guess it's been really fun. There we go. And I've enjoyed it. <laughs> well, I think it helps you as a writer too because then you know, and then you understand why they ask you to rewrite stuff. You, have, you understand that you have an umpteen million people or <laughs> multiple sets that it could be an issue money-wise. Yeah, with the budget, yeah, things yeah. like that. I and was... it, there is a big difference between writing prose and writing for screenplay and writing okay. journalism style. You know, I mean, AP style and MLA, and then you've got your screenwriting. I mean, it's all very different. Yeah, and screenwriting is constantly evolving too, which I've noticed. Like, there's when you're writing a novel, it doesn't change; it stays the same. Like, you know, whereas a screenwriting, there's constant updates. Oh, well, last year we allowed slug lines to be right here. This year we don't like that and how that looks. Like, it seems like every two years, every two to three years, like they're changing the formats that they prefer. Like, it always stays the same for the basics, but there's things that they like to. We don't like to see like fade-ins. We don't like to see, you know, why are your, you know, why is this word capitalized when last year it was okay you know that's yeah. it's constantly evolving and and what what a particular you know lit agent may like or not like or like so it's it's weird yeah. you have to stay on top of your game now we also notice you have some elaborate aerial wide shots of uh of the world which i'm pretty sure are models because i right. i've spoken to you about that before and mm-hmm. um and you create those models can you tell us a little bit about how you do that I knew from the beginning I was I was going to try to give it like uh, I wanted to give it an unearthly look, you know, to help lend, you know, the idea that we're not are we on Earth? Are we not on Earth? Where are we at? And also I wanted it not to really look like any place somebody has been before, seen before and many other aesthetic reasons why I chose that. But those are the main two. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to create my own world and uh, and my own landscape. Because I had people, I had a couple friends who said, dude, I can get you an aerial shot of Arizona for this amount of money. It'll look great. It'll look fantastic. I'm like, yeah, but I want to include some visual effects in here. And I want to, and also at the time, I was already kind of messing around with, with miniatures and building models um, on my own, just kind of playing around. And that's how Westrex originally started was it was just basically a platform for me to work with my models and kind of play and see what I can do. And uh, when MySpace was a big deal, I was actually posting a lot of my work on MySpace and I got a lot of attention on my models from there. And that's what made me decide, well, okay, well, maybe I'll make this into a web series. And that's when I started deciding I will actually do Western X as, as, as a web series and use it as a platform to work on my models. 
That brings up a good point. Besides the model element inspiring you to do Western X, what else inspired you to do this story about a Western? You know, or you, you do you really love Westerns, or or what kind of sparked that? Um, I've always been a huge uh, Western fan, but I also am a fan of the supernatural and the weird. And uh, there's a genre that a lot of people don't really know that's out there, and it's called the Weird West. And the Weird West is pretty much anything, you know, that's weird. That's in a Western, whether it be a witch or some guy has power or he has a machine gun for a hand and, you know, anything that's bizarre is, is would be considered a weird West. I guess a good example would be uh, Jonah Hex, if you guys have seen that. Mm-hmm. And also another good example of mainstream would be, uh, you know, Alien, the Alien movie, Cowboys and Aliens. Cowboys an, versus Aliens. Yeah. yeah, that would be considered a weird West, too. And uh, so that's what it is. I, 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 there are so many inspirations for this. There's also a lot of religious undertones that you keep watching. And as you'll see more in the upcoming episodes, it's very I, I use religion uh, as a as a as a source of inspiration and mythology. And I just have to, I've taken so many different sources of inspiration, kind of mesh them together into, the, and I use the and I use the Western as the way to tell the story. Mm-hmm. You use some green screen, right, and some of the shots. Yeah, we, yep. Was that your first time using green screen as a director and a cinematographer? How challenging is it to? to uh, use the green screen with your actors um it is uh it is uh, difficult i'd say for the first when i first started um when i first started i didn't know what i was doing and uh, i had to do a lot of research and i talked to there was a guy um by the name of nathan stipes who was working with me who i actually went to school with and his father was uh, a model guy uh for uh star trek all the star trek tv shows up into um actually all of them he did all of the all the miniature work and and uh, so I had an in with a guy that knew about models and, and chroma keying and, and, you know, green screen, basically, and doing all that stuff. So I talked to him and picked his brain about about chroma key and about uh, miniatures and everything. And that's how I got once I realized I didn't know what I was doing. And then <laughs> I used episodes one to three as my my trial. Like, OK, this is what I can do. Let me see. You know, if it, if it will all come out and work right. And um, and it did for the most part. I mean, episodes one to three aren't, you know, uh, they're not as good as episodes four through ten because you can tell they're a lot lower budget. They're good. I'm not saying they're I, I stand by the work for when they were done. Um, but you can definitely see the budget increases and everything else increases as you move along with each episode. Uh, but, yeah, the chroma key, it is a challenge. And anybody that thinks they're going to pull a chroma key out of their you know out of a hat and like i'm gonna shoot green screen i don't know what i'm doing which you see a lot of like they're in for a surprise because you need to plan everything out it's just like anything else you need to know your workflow or your pipeline and and uh, how you're going to edit and what what your final outcome is going to be or else you're going to find yourself in a world of hurt when you're editing yeah you're going to find yourself doing a lot of retakes a lot of going back and doing some pickups yeah, I mean, especially if you work with actors who don't understand green screen, they uh, they uh, need to know where they're just like even when you don't do a green screen, but a lot with green screens specifically, you know, you need to know where this actor is going to be because sometimes actors aren't shot in the same scenes, you know, where their eye line should be, you know, all that stuff. I mean, there's measurements. You have to do measurements uh, from the from the top of the, the tripod to the to the ground. You got to measure the angle to make sure everything matches in editing. You can't just, you know, get a camera and start shooting and thinking it's going to look appropriate. And, and it, <laughs> it does take a little bit more work. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if you start moving the camera around, which I, I do that a lot more in the other episodes, um, in the later episodes. Once I knew what I was doing, when you start moving the camera around, then you're getting into match moving and making sure your background moves with your green screen, which is a lot harder, more difficult, I should say, than if you just have a static shot. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. I guess you mark them with X's, right? <laughs> yeah, that's one way to do it. That's the easiest way I find. I mean, I, you sometimes you watch. Oh, that's another thing. Is I, 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 I watch the hell out of behind-the-scene featurettes of visual effects-driven movies, and you'll pick up things just by – even if they're not talking about it, if you like pick up something like done with like, 300 or something Rodriguez has done or even like that, that movie uh, Immortal or something, I think, uh, with that one guy, like something very heavily driven with – uh, with visual effects and just watch the behind the scenes and all the stuff they do and just see how their setups are. That's what I did too. I mean, they may not even be, they may not even uh, be talking about visual effects, but just watch their background. I don't pay attention to what they're saying. I look at what they have set up and they do, I mean, they do red dots, green dots, blue dots. They have the weirdest setups. And I go and once I see those setups, I Google it and I send my answers or my, or my questions over to the guy that I may have, the, the the guy that did Star Trek, if I have questions I can't figure out, and he answers my questions of what that was, and then I go back. I'm constantly learning when it comes to visual effects. I'm no, I'm no, I'm nowhere near done from learning. Yeah, well, and with visual effects and with other aspects as well. I mean, you know, we were talking about you know moving to digital. It it does if you get DVD sets and they have the special features, and then you can just go online and and look up videos and behind the scenes, and I mean, just about pick your favorite show, just about any of them will have some sort of special feature on either their green, spe- green screen or special effects or acting or directing. And, and it's really, it, you almost get your own film school experience if you just really want to go out and research enough. Yep, that's the truth. Yeah, that was never around like yeah. <laughs> years ago or whatever. No, not at all. I'd go film school or read a lot of books or both. <laughs> Usually both, yeah. Yeah, that's true. All right, well, now... You do have a special name actor that appears, I believe, I think episode 10 is his first appearance. Right. And uh, Vernon Wells, who... Um, Plays the general. Mm-hmm. It's probably best known for being in Mad Max 2 and Commando. At least that's where I remember him the most yeah. from. Uh, so how did you manage to get him to join the cast? Um, there was a guy, I, from the very beginning, I had this character, the general, planned out. Uh, and I wanted it to be, you know, I, I wanted to... This is back, and when I started this, web series weren't what, it, what they are yet. You know, and I wanted to stand out. I'm like, well, you know, let's get somebody, you know, that, you know, is semi-famous, that may be old school, someone that I can afford, someone from back in the day. And I kept looking. And originally we were talking to uh, Lance, Lance Hendrickson, which I don't know if you know who that is or not. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, he was on board and was like, yes, I like the idea. Anything, I, if I can wear a cowboy hat, consider me in. Like, I'm like great. <laughs> then, then a few days later, we got a call from um, – from uh, his manager, I believe, not his agent. It was his manager, and his manager's all like, hey, I have a question for you. I'm like, what? What the hell is a web series? (laughs) This is is probably, this is about four years ago, four and a half years ago, maybe, and this is before what web, because nowadays, I mean, he's probably, you know, he, obviously, he he would have to know what a web series is, and there's actors now who would ne- who wouldn't snub. There's plenty of a list of actors now who are involved in web series, yeah. um, and uh, and he I'm like, what do you mean? What the hell is a web series? And he's <laughs> like, I, I you know turn this into a feature, and he's on board. I'm like, do you have? I'm like, well, I don't. You have the money to do it as a feature, right? I'm like, well, yeah, but it's not written as a feature. It it won't make. It's gonna be blocky. It's gonna be weird. Like it's not. It's not what how it was intended. And I said, I love Lance. I said, but I don't want to turn this into a feature. If he doesn't want to do it as a web series, then I'm not gonna do it with him. And he's like, well, yeah, good, because I don't want him doing a web series. I'm like, okay. So that was the end of that. And it wasn't Lance. It wasn't Lance is a great guy from everyone that I've you know spoken to. 
but it's uh, the, the manager that didn't want him to do it. So we got so another, you know, after two or three more months of looking, you know, uh, Vernon's name came up and I'm like, yeah, OK, I can. I, I like that. And I rem- immediately knew who he was from. I, I remember him from inner space and and a little bit from he was a, the in Power Rangers as well for years as one of the villains. And I'm like, all right. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the guy from Mad Max, too. OK, great. So then we got involved with him through. Um, the guy who got me involved with him was, uh, the same guy actually that got me in contact with Lance and it was through a stunt guy, uh, that runs a stunt company in Los Angeles. And he says, I've done movies with this guy and, uh, uh, he might be a good match as well for, uh, for the character you want. I'm like, okay. So we talked and, you know, the guy understood the story and what I was trying to do. He, 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 uh, got behind the show. And not only that, I mean, he believed in the project so much after we, after we started shooting, uh, and after meeting all of us and he loved the way we did things on set and he's all like, hey, uh, I, I've noticed that you uh, you were saying in a meeting, whatever, because I keep everybody I keep all my cast and everybody uh, informed of what's going on in order for every I think everyone needs to know what's going on with the show. It's not, I, I hate actors that do the flyby like, hey, I'm in this and I'm out. Peace. Like <laughs> work, they need to be involved. You know, it's an it's an ongoing web show. You need to be ongoing, involved ongoingly. And uh, so I keep everyone up to date. I send him emails. We have a group page on Facebook. And, he's all, and he noticed, hey, I noticed that you were looking for a little bit more money. And uh, I would like to uh, talk to you about investing. So he actually became one of the investors as well for the second half of the series. Well, uh, that's really great. Yeah, because he believed in the show. So I'm like, great. And he's, he's an awesome guy. And uh, one of the most nicest people I've ever met in my life. Great, genuine, for just a real person. Now there are uh, 10 episodes currently. Yeah, so when can we expect the next one? Um, well, I had uh, – the other one's done. Episode 11 is done. But what I'm doing is the originally I've been I, – I I, I've been using Westerns for a lot of playing around, and meaning I'm trying to find out what works best on different things. Like I said, I used it for visual effects. Now I'm trying to find out the best way to, to deliver it to the masses and what I'm doing with this one is I'm going to do I'm, I'm not going to release anything else until all the final eight episodes are done which is 11 through 18 once they're all done then they'll be released back to back every week until they're done so that, and I don't have a, an exact date yet I'm hoping February is when we'll start lo- rolling them out February of 2013 and then we'll oh that's not that far away no no, no. actually that's way that's really soon actually now I'm scared <laughs> <laughs> So we have you February. He's like, he's like, delete that out of the show. <laughs> no, I'm I'm hoping for February because we're gonna be going to the Phoenix Comic Con here, I think in March or April, whenever they have it here. And I want to make sure I have all of them done for that too. So because as soon as we're done, I'm hoping I think I'm gonna take six months off because I've done nothing but, you know, radio and, and Western X for the past, you know, three and a half years, and I'm gonna take six months off of everything because I don't have a day off ever. And I think after that, we may jump. I may do a short film that I might want. That I've been wanting to do uh, with a couple of people. And then I'm going to jump into uh, there's a feature film on the horizon that I got actually got hired on to do through Western because of Western X and then and, and what I've done with that. Uh, then after that, I'll probably jump in immediately into season two of Western X and I'll shoot it straight back to back and it'll be all released at one time. I'm not going to do this, you know, three year release platform anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little exhausting. 
it is exhausting. But and, and some people have said, well, have you found that you are losing interest because you take so long? I'm like, no, actually, the audience that I've built has stuck around because I communicate with everybody. Now, if I were just to release something and do again, what I like to say is peace out. I'm gone. Then, yeah, because a lot of people are very they're, I call them selfish tweeters and selfish Facebook people like where they post something. Hey, like it, like it, like it, you know, because I'm important and they don't ever communicate or talk to anybody at all. I communicate and build relationships with all of my people on Western X and all of the people on our radio shows. I, I develop relationships with them and I talk to them. Um, and because I've done that, I've managed to not only keep the people who've started from the beginning, you know, and keep their interest. And uh, but I've also, um, you know, managed to build over three, well, actually three and a half years since we started. I've been able to build an audience that is a lot bigger than if, it, if I released them all, if I released them all three years ago. Yeah, it does take time to really build up a, a following online just to get through all the noise. Yeah, it takes, it takes time for people to find it. Yes, totally. I mean, and it's not an ideal way to deliver. I wouldn't recommend doing what I've done. I There were reasons and circumstances why it's taken so long to get everything out. Um, but um, but uh, it, but it, it ended up working out to where it, it wasn't as bad as it could have been because I've been able to cultivate and, and stay in contact with, with our list, with our core audience. I noticed your episodes are getting longer and longer. Have mm -hmm. you seen positive returns in that or does it seem like the audience – I likes longer episodes. Yes, because what the big, the, the, the biggest, the biggest complaint I got was, uh, I mean, these people are vocal too on the internet, man. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like, wow, I love it, it's great. I'm like, but dude, seriously, four minutes? And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, it's a web series, and this is when, and originally I, I planned them to be like that, to be four or five minutes, and then I went back and I and I and I realized that most of the people wanted to sit, they want, they didn't just want, they didn't want to get a cup of coffee and like something to snack on for four minutes, you know, or five minutes. They wanted to sit down and watch something continually, so that's why I've tried to get it longer. And, and but I'm only doing it if it makes sense of the story because I've I've written blocks where things should stop. Uh, where if you continue to do it, it just feels weird and clunky. Just like, you know, you, that's how you write. You write just like you write TV to stop after an hour. I wrote certain things to stop after a certain time. So if it feels right, you know, and I can combine a couple episodes into one, then I'll do it. If it doesn't feel right, then it's going to have to be five or six minutes long. But so far, it's felt okay to combine stuff. And I've just done a lot of... Uh, my editing lends to lends to it anyways because I, I edit with a lot of drawn on shots where I linger, which is the which is what what I like to do, um, and and it and it helps it helps fill that time and it, it builds up the 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 atmosphere and the uh, the and the confrontation more anyways. So it works. Great. What do you believe the future of independent web series creator is going to be? Do you? Uh... Yeah, because like you pointed out, there's some not so independent film. Makers doing web series yeah, you now. Have, you, have, you have H Plus, Battlestar Galactica, Blood and Chrome, lots of high budget stuff. Yeah, uh, but as far as the independent web series goes, what do you think is going to be the future for that? The future, I think, is going to be you know whatever we make it, you know whatever we make of it. Honestly, because you know there's a lot of talk and and I, I'm not I hate like talking on Facebook for hours on end because there'll be groups you know and groups I'm in where people discuss it and I feel like posting but I don't, but. I mean, there people are worried and like upset that that the mainstream is getting involved. I'm like, you know, let the mainstream give it a household name. Let them do it. Let them put their millions of dollars into a show that's not even watched because they don't even market it correctly. But at least they're making web series a household name at least, so that people recognize and understand. Oh, web series because so and so did one. Yeah, okay, you know. But let them do it because the the internet is a large 
place. It is huge. It's the world, and there's plenty of room for everyone to play. I don't think that uh, you find a lot of competition as well. Like there's no there's no reason to be competitive. It's huge. The internet is your is your audience, and how you market it is 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 what will determine if your show is successful. And uh, and there's room for everyone to play. And I think the big boys doing it, the studios getting involved, is going to do nothing but help it. In my opinion, I don't think they're going to hurt. It's not like like they're going to crush us. Well, and it also will help other actors, managers know what a web series is for yeah. the future. <laughs> That's exactly right, you know, and it is. And if it, I, I think I have my own problems with with big studio uh, web shows and how they market it. As I, as I said, I think they, it's so many missed opportunities. It's like, why do you release something and then not like build your audience and communicate with them? Like Blood and Chrome's doing it right. If you guys have followed Blood and Chrome. And how they're uh, on Twitter. I mean, they're working their Twitter account. They're talking to people, which is what people want. You're not, you're not Snooky. You're not George Clooney. They're not, <laughs> they're not going to eat every word on Twitter because, because you're nobody. Let's not, you know, let's call a spade a spade. You know, like I'm Michael Flores. I'm a nobody. So how am I going to get people to continue to watch my stuff and stay interested? I'm going to be interesting. And I'm going to communicate, and that's what Blood and Chrome is doing and and that's and a lot of these studios won't do that but what they're doing there they answer questions they tweet people they talk to people and they got the whole entire cast involved so i think it has the potential to help too i know when we were making a web series a few years ago you know we're trying to explain they're like oh uh what's that okay it's like tv but it's on your computer you know (laughs) and we just kept going back to it's like a television show but you watch it on your computer and it it, (laughs) You're just trying to break it down. And uh, I don't know if everyone even still has it. (laughs) People don't. There are a lot of people. We take for granted because we're internet people. We take for granted that we understand web series and that it it has grown. It it is on the tip of people's tongues. More people, even being at the – because I go to Comic-Cons a lot to promote Western X, and I've known that – Three years ago, they're like, "What is this? A web? A web what? A what?" Now they're like, "Oh, a web series! Great, that's cool!" Like they un- people understand it more. It's becoming more, uh, more uh, like I said, household name or more relevant. And because uh, even again, going back to the, you know Blood and Chrome, when I go to their Facebook page to see what's going on with them, see what they're doing, like there'll be people who just like Battlestar Galactica. And like, I don't understand why isn't this on like sci-fi? I don't get it. What is a web? Like they, I've actually seen people ask me on their status. Why is this a web show? Why is it only six minutes long? I don't understand. Why is your episode only seven, eight minutes? Like, so there is still some education that needs to be done out there. But by Sci-Fi Channel and and uh, you know doing, I guess it's them kind of uh, doing Blood and Chrome that they uh, they um, they're they're leading the charge, you know, because you know yeah they're like they, ambassadors really. They, there you go. <laughs> yeah, and I I can understand. I mean, Marx is a techie guy. I'm very low tech. If it wasn't for Marx, I probably would have no clue about most of that. You know, right. so so you know, it's it's it is understandable, especially. I mean, obviously, the younger generations who are pretty much born with a smartphone in their hand. Um, <laughs> right. Most people are figuring it out as it as it's being invented. <laughs> yeah, it takes people some time to realize not all videos on the web are cats. Uh, hey, don't knock cats. Man, I talk about this every <laughs> almost every other show on my radio show. Like, wh- what is so funny about cats? Hey, 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 I have this one girl that sends me pictures that's on our radio show. And she said, look at this one. I'm like, it looks just like the last one. He's flipping <laughs> upside down, and it looks like he's smiling and grinning at you, and he gets a million views. I'm like, what? I'm like, I, I, it has, apparently, I've read about this. See, we have, we have cats, and we have a rabbit, and I've had, 
dogs and and apparently it does trigger endorphins so i don't know maybe the cat videos are keeping more people from going postal at work you know, I don't know. <laughs> that's funny well now that you've been working on web series for years mm-hmm. uh, what, what advice would you give others thinking about taking their hands your sage advice yes about trying out web series because a lot more people are doing it every year i mean like the nominate the people that submitted IWTV awards this year was like at least double or triple, I think, last year. Yeah. What would be your top do's or don'ts for new people? It, well, if they want people to take it seriously, and I'm not, you know, if you if you want people, take time. Like, it, it, you know, I, there is a lot of shows out there uh, that they don't uh, that are narratives. I guess it doesn't, the same doesn't apply to reality shows or other things. But if it's a narrative, don't reinvent the wheel. Uh, because if you want to be taken seriously by mainstream audiences, you need to learn to light your sets. You need to like don't reinvent the wheel. Like light your sets and uh, and use sound equipment. You know because you see a lot of people that don't that want to just do something. And I think they don't they they, they want to they 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 they're not really counting, you know the cost I guess or really calculating what it takes to do a show. They just get excited and giddy and that's good. You know because that's. That's the start of something great. Is if you can get that's half the battle. If you can get excited about something, to where you're going to put money and you're going to get you know actors and you know shoot something and spend you know six seven months of your life doing something, then that's half the battle there. But you know let's not also forget the art and the craft, which is you know has been around for over a hundred years. Why are we going to change it? Because I've I've heard debates time and time again about oh we're we're something new. We don't have to do what TV does. We don't have to do what movies do. And I'm like eh. It's the art of cinema, and web series are cinema, whether you want to, you know, agree with it or not. So that's uh, that's my advice: is don't reinvent the wheel. Make sure you know how to shoot something, you know, correctly, and and do and put on a show. Put on a show that people want to watch. Mm-hmm. You know, remember you're trying to entertain people, not yourself. <laughs> it's like going back to basics, like you did with your writing. It was, you know, obviously there you have a great idea and and a certain amount of talent, but. You recognize that it was a good idea to learn how to do get back to basics and learn the basics and, and do it properly. That's pretty much it. It's just you know make sure you know what you're doing before you do it and uh, and put on a good show that that gives the rest of us a good uh, a good um a, you know a good name a good reputation you know so that people don't say oh yeah I saw that web series before that was shitty. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss on your show. Sorry, but like. You know, I, I don't, you know, you don't, you don't want someone because that's what when I when I said I was doing a web series, you know, people Google web series and they're just like, wow, I watched them. And I didn't really like the way they were, or what they were, and I'm like, hey, you, you know, it, you get what you, you get the good with the bad. You know, there's just like short films. You know, what web series are the new short films? You know, two years ago everybody was doing short films, and you had the same problems and the same debates on how to do a short film that you're having now with web series. So it's always going to be an ongoing battle. But all I say is, you know. Pretend you're watching your show, and would you watch it? That's probably what I would—the best way to put it. You know, do you want to watch, you know, a TV show on TV that's not lit right and the sound like sounds like garbled and and sounds like it, it's echoed? No, you don't. You don't want to. You don't expect to see that on TV. Then why would you expect to see it on the internet? And you're passing it off as a TV show because that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Very true. I thought it was good advice. Yeah. <laughs> now it's pretty easy to pop your web series up on dvd and pop it on your tv and yeah. i guess just watch that and see if it uh looks like tv or not that's, yeah, that's it's a good exactly. test <laughs> if that you have good. a decent tv <laughs> yeah. if your computer's better than your tv that may not work <laughs> 
That's actually, but that's actually good advice. I mean, Mark's like that's that's what I do. Like I all before I release something, I have an old TV and I have a good newer TV, and I'll actually connect my computer to both of them and see what they look like on both. And if they look okay, then I'm like, all right, we're good to go. So that actually does work. I mean, you do want to see what it's going to look like, you know, especially with, uh, you know, we're no, you have so many people now that have devices that are, you know, to help them view the Internet on their television. I mean, that's the way of the future. So we want to make sure they, it does look good on your TV. And people don't necessarily, do they need a red? I mean, they can shoot no. other cameras, right? No, they don't need a red. I mean, we did it just because of I had my own reasons. I was going to shoot in a lot of low light, like if you watch it. If you watch Westerners, you realize a lot of it's at night, and there's a lot of low-light scenes. And the RED camera handles low-light situations very well. Uh, whereas with anything, the other options at, at the time when we started, there wasn't as many options as there were as there are now. Um, so, uh, but I mean, now there's so many things you can do with, you know, especially with, with the still cameras. Now they're shooting video. There's the, the DSLRs, like, you can do, there's so much you can do with those. And as long as you know how to light and you have some good lenses, I mean, and that, that's, yeah, and the key is lenses. That's another thing. It's like, I have, <laughs> we have, like, I had this guy that told me, I don't, I don't want to go on a rampage, another story here, but, like, there was a guy that, you know, the iPhone craze where people want to shoot, you know, web series on iPhones. And, and I'm like, there is a time and place for that. If you're if there's a gimmick to it, do it. It's, it'd be a great gimmick. It's cool. But if you think you're going to shoot an entire narrative, you know, with action and on iPhone, I'm like, you got to like, well, so-and-so did it. Favaro did it on Iron Man or on Avengers or Whedon did it. I'm like, yeah, but did you see their rig? <laughs> that, <laughs> that iPhone was connected to a, to a, to a lens that was the size of a missile. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's insane. Uh, so, like, just if you're going to shoot an iPhone, use a lens. You know, always. <laughs> so that that's all it's about. Like, I don't think there really is, like, oh, you should shoot with this. Don't shoot with that. I mean, if you if you have the right tools and the right materials and you know what you're doing, you can shoot on anything, including an iPhone. Just just have your right tools in order. Yeah. Plan it out. <laughs> yeah. All right. Do you have any other Western X news you like to share, or, or any other news? Um, no, I think I think we covered it. I mean, I'm I'm gonna try to get out the rest of the episodes out hopefully by February, and uh, yeah, and then hopefully I'll. I mean, I, I do have a new project coming on the horizon, but I can't really speak about it yet until it's for sure. I hate, I don't want to be uh, like, hey, yeah, this is good, and then something fall apart on it. But there, hopefully, there's something big coming soon. Um, okay. that that'll uh change um the way I do things hopefully so. Okay, and also, could you let all of our listeners know where they can find you and where they can find Western X online? Yeah, you can find Western X at the website, uh, westernxtheshow.com. And you can also find me on Twitter uh, at Michael underscore Flores and also Western X at Western X the Show. Hello everybody, my name is Timo Vorenslav. I'm a director of an awesome film about the Nazis from the dark side of the moon called Iron Sky. And you are listening to Jonathanement. Well, thank you to Michael Flores for agreeing to the interview, and we look forward to seeing more episodes of Western X. So that's it for today's Genretainment. Check back next week with all new guests from our favorite films, TV shows, novels, and web series. Including the cast and crew of the superhero comedy Super Knocked Up. Also, upcoming guest comic book writer Dirk Manning will be returning to the show to talk about his new book, 
right or wrong, which tells you everything you need to know on how to break into comic books. And if you think you would make a good guest, feel free to email us at genretainment at scifipulse.net. And don't forget, you can check out all of our past episodes and archives at scifipulseradio.com. Genretainment will be back right here on this channel with an all-new episode next Tuesday. Thank you so much for listening. Until, Until next time. time.